The NBA is a madhouse. We got MMA players. I mean, Draymond Green uh, on the Warriors. Well, welcome back to the Full Court Press, y'all. We appreciate y'all coming in for episode 19, coming up close on 20 episodes. Um, couldn't do this without you guys. We appreciate you guys just listening. Uh, yeah, we love doing this. We, uh, we appreciate you guys' support. But um, yeah, today we get into uh, the obviously Draymond fight. We're going to get into some of our favorite teams we've been watching this season. Um, also, some teams that need some fucking help. We we get into that as well. Uh, talk about the Clippers and the James Harden 0-5 start. Um, and of course, we talk about the Sacramento Kings. Um, we're gonna start doing some prize pick picks. I know you guys. I don't. You guys. I'm no. I'm no master, but I got a couple slips for you guys today. Uh, I have Giannis at uh, tomorrow against the Toronto Raptors, thirty point five points. I got under for him. Um, the Toronto Raptors. If any team can stop Giannis, it's the wall they build in Toronto. Um, Siakam, Pascal, uh, Pascal, Scotty, and uh, uh, Jakob. Uh, Tall men on the front court. They can. They build a great wall with OG as well um, to stop Giannis. Uh, also, Dame is back, so less usage from Giannis. Thirty-one point, thirty point, thirty point five uh, points. Um, yeah, I got less on that. Also, against the Mavericks, I got Jordan Pool. Jordan Pool going uh, sixteen point five. I got him going more. Um, uh, he does average average sixteen points a game, which seems a little low. But they're playing the Mavericks, uh, not necessarily a great defensive team, and a guy that could like Jordan Poole that is actively looking to get out of, out of his slump. Uh, seventeen points does not sound ridiculous to me. And then if you want a third, um, not too confident on the this one as the other two, but Kyrie Irving at twenty five point five points, I got him under against the Wizards. I think this game might be a blowout. I think uh, Doncic is going to have thirty by half. And this game will be over. So I don't see Kyrie being in the game for too long. And scoring 23-24 sounds a lot more reasonable. Those are my picks. Let's get into episode 19. I appreciate y'all. And let's get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Full Court Press. Brought to you by your hosts, Enoch and Angus. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, let's start. Let's start with something that literally just happened uh actually some the the craziest thing i've seen this season honestly um in the first couple minutes of the warriors and timberwolves game they actually played uh not too long ago and it was actually an embarrassing loss for the warriors not embarrassing but you know uh obviously there's some things going on between these two teams because uh clay thompson and Jaden mcdaniels get into it like mid-court all of a sudden you see draymond green come in basically chokehold of Rudy Gobert. Chokehold Rudy Gobert for no reason. Like Rudy Gobert wasn't even part of the the altercation that was going on. Rudy Gobert <laughs> was just trying to get Klay Thompson off Jaden McDaniels and then Draymond Green comes out of nowhere puts Rudy Gobert in a chokehold. <laughs> and it's so funny that like this is involving one of Chris Paul's teams again. Like I remember a couple of years back when Chris Paul and Rondo had that fight. Chris yes. Paul got punched. I mean, and then the funniest thing is that Brandon Ingram in that fight went in and he ran and punched Chris Paul in the face. <laughs> That's like the same exact energy Draymond was given. Bruh, he's for sure getting suspended. <laughs> yeah, he's he's getting suspended. And, um, you know, Steph Curry has a knee sprain. Seems like the Warriors are, are, are about to be in a heap of trouble if they don't figure it out. But, but – we're going to be able to see what Chris Paul looks like in this offense when he's running the show by himself. Yes. Um, 
before we go on, I, what was that scuffle between Clay Thompson and Jaden McDaniels? Like, what was that? It was like some little sibling fight between. They were like grabbing at each other's jerseys. It was just like, it looked like childish. Yeah, they're they're grabbing each other's jerseys. I think they were just like fighting for a rebound or something. But um, I don't know, Clay. I, I, people have this conception that Clay Thompson is like this cool, level-headed guy, but like he talks a lot of shit, and yeah. rightfully so. He does have four rings, but like. Even last year when he got into a Devin Booker, I, th- I think people are starting to get fed up with Clay Thompson because he really just stands on those four rings and he's a little <laughs> bit of de- in a decline now. Like Clay Thompson Definitely. has not been the Clay Thompson we know, so maybe he just he's just frustrated with himself I, and he kind of took it on Jaden McDaniels. Well, I think he's frustrated because his offensive production has not been great. And this mm-hmm. the thing about Jaden McDaniels though, <laughs> remember that remember that moment? I don't know if it was last year or two years ago where Jaden McDaniels and I think it was Kyle Lowry were like throwing the ball back and forth at each other. <laughs> oh, that was, was Russell was Westbrook. Russell Westbrook. Westbrook. I knew it was someone pettier, but dude, yeah. <laughs> like this this thing is kind of something that Jaden McDaniels does. He is one of the best, if not the best, wing defender in the league, and it's tough to lose him. In fact, it's uh, th- I think the Warriors are actually winning. Uh, against the Timberwolves right now, um, and Alex Brandon Pobbs is going crazy, by the way. But um, but yeah, there's something that you've seen uh, with Jaden McDaniels and his kind of immaturity. So it, it's maybe something to watch. Also with the the hand thing. Remember last year in the playoffs, uh, broke his hand because uh, he just couldn't control himself. There's there's these these there's these things that you just need to look for. Uh, no matter how good he is, when when it when it counts, like you you they definitely needed him in those games last year. And definitely probably needed him today. And so it's a shame that this stuff is, is reoccurring. Let's hope that it's it's not too reoccurring and it becomes something that stains his reputation. And he's pretty young too. But, um, I mean, going back to, like, kind of the headlines of this, Draymond Green and Rudy Gobert, this is some serious beef. There's, like, history with this beef. Because a couple years back when um, Rudy Gobert had a pretty good season, had, like, his first breakout season in Utah – he was he didn't get an all-star bid and he was crying about it. And Andre Iguodala and Draymond Green were making fun of him on social media, saying that, oh, you're a grown man crying about not making an all-star team, like you should go back to your mom. And then I always knew oh, Draymond Green has always been very outspoken about Rudy Gobert's game. He always felt like Rudy Gobert never never deserved those defensive player of the year awards. And Draymond himself believed that he deserved it. So there, there is some history here between Draymond and Gobert. This is not like something that Draymond did out of nowhere. Let's talk about some of the Warriors' struggles. They're not, they're not doing too bad right now. I think they're sitting, um, like seventh. Let me just check real quick. Seventh, exactly seventh in the West at six and five. Probably gonna win today, so um, they'll, they'll uh, uh, probably stay seventh, but. This offensive, this offense is just, it's just not, it's not, not enough. Steph is doing too much. Yeah, Steph is doing a lot. But, um, I mean, for the first time in a long time, the Warriors are kind of positive when Steph goes to the bench, but it's still not looking great. You can see that um, the, the league has finally caught up to the Warriors. The Warriors are extremely small. I've never seen the Warriors look this small before. Yeah, they need some size. Who's that Davis guy? He looks promising. Davis, oh Trace Jackson Davis, yeah, he's a he's a rookie out of Indiana, and um, he I think I think I saw in an interview that he says that he wants to play like Sabonis, 
which is interesting because I feel like that's the type of player that the Warriors need to add like some variety to their offense. I think the one of the biggest things besides besides also Clay Thompson's struggles is uh, the lack of production from Andrew Wiggins. He was cold in the playoffs last year, but but right now to begin the season he just looks awful. I think he's averaging like not nine to ten points a game, almost absolutely no production from him when he's when you're when you're playing him like thirty five minutes a game. And then you trade away one of your main offensive pieces in Jordan Poole. Uh, you know, whatever you guys say about his attitude or whatever, he was scoring 20 points a game, every game. So you take that away, you replace it with Chris Paul, who's averaging like 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 Andrew Wiggins, nine points. And Clay Thompson isn't producing. Andrew Wiggins isn't producing. Chris Paul is giving you 10 points. Who's going to fill in that role for Jordan Poole? And who's going to help Steph Curry out? I don't I don't see any moves that they can make right now unless they want to get rid of like Andrew Wiggins but he, he he's on a pretty lengthy deal and I don't think that the Warriors want to get rid of like a pretty main piece of their last championship because we saw how Andrew Wiggins performed in those finals against uh clamping up on Jason Tatum being an, a great help defender adding that athletic punch do you think Andrew Wiggins can return to that 2022 form or do you think this is just some sort of some sort of struggle he's in the decline right now is this temporary or do you think this is the new Andrew Wiggins I don't I don't know I think it's more of a a shot thing his shot is just broke like he can't make a shot like he's missing middies he's missing three-pointers he's he's just he's getting the shots I think once he starts making shots he'll get more shots but as of now he's just missing shots so hopefully he can find his rhythm um but yeah let's get into our next segment Angus named this one. It's called the help side. Uh, we're going to be talking about some teams or players, um, whatever, NBA-related, that need help. Angus, you want to go first? They need some help, man. It's like, they need some help. It's like they're diving into the teeth of the defense, and they need someone to kick it out to. Who, who's going to help them out? Oh, God. Right. So I'm, I'm going to start this off first. I mean, this team has been – in the news recently, and even earlier today, Shams reported that Zach Levine is open to being traded. I think the Chicago Bulls need some serious help right now. They're in mm. an extremely tough position. They're in one of the worst positions an organiz- organization can be, which is being mediocre, like barely yeah. good enough to make the play-in, but not good enough to even contend, not being bad enough to tank. And it seems like that the Bulls are seriously considered tanking. And this is one of the worst drafts to tank for. Like, they should have thought about this last year when they had a chance to get Wemby. And, yep. like, you, you hear, hear Zach Levine signed an extension in 2022, a five-year extension. He's going to be making close to $50 million in the fourth year of that contract. So that's going to be an extremely hard contract to move if you want value for it. And then DeMar DeRozan came out and said that he's uncommitted to sign, re-signing with the Bulls because he wants to see how this season plays out. And then on top of that, Lonzo Ball is injured, probably for uh, the whole. The whole, I mean, it assumed that he's going to be out for the rest of this year, and yeah. we know that. I know he's very injury prone ever since he stepped into the league. And then Patrick Williams, he he wants a big contract, and I'm not sure the Bulls see enough in him to give him whatever money he did, he wants. Yeah, he's not. He doesn't look very. He's not very good. And and then like, add insult to injury, you look at. Wendell Carter Jr. and Franz Wagner, which are the two main pieces that the Bulls traded for Nikola Vucevic, and they're thriving in Orlando, being the, these young, fa- uh, two young faces of an up-and-coming Magic team. And Vucevic is clearly on the decline, and 
I mean, his his best days are past him. I'm not sure he's going to be that 20 and 10 beast that he was back in Orlando. Yeah, what you said about Lonzo Ball really hitting on the head. I feel like he was that young guy that just was basically the glue for this Bulls team that had a bunch of veterans. Um, and they're trying to, like, you know, replace him with Alex Caruso, and he's playing good, but and Alex is never really healthy either. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this Bulls team, it just sucks because they were really good with Lonzo, and they looked really good, like, he was the guy that distributed the ball to all the guys that that needed the ball, like Levine and and DeRozan and uh, and Vooch. It just looked like a promising young team, not young, but like a promising team. And now that this thing with Lonzo is going on two to three years, super tragic, not only for Lonzo but for the Bulls. It's is it time, Angus? Is it time that they blow it up? It's. I mean, I think it's overdue. I mean, with with all three of their stars. You know, playing and performing at the at their peak during the Bulls. I mean, when the Bulls were good in 2021, 2022, they were still only an eighth seed, and they lost to the Bucks in eight in five games. So that was that was their peak. I mean, if they were able to at least get to the second round or maybe be a fourth or fifth seed, then that they would have something to build on. But only being an eighth seed while having a thirty year old and then having a max contract Zach Levine and then having an aging but still high paid. Vucevic on your team and you only peek out as an eighth seed, that's kind of disappointing. And like, even though they have three 20 plus point scores on their team and Levine, DeRozan, and Vucevic, I think that the player that will probably have the most trade value is Alex Caruso, especially when you mm. when you think about the contenders that can use him, thinking about yeah. someone that needs defense, someone that can hit a corner three. I mean, Alex Caruso is one of the best disruptors right now in the league and yeah, I mean, I think he could be All NBA first team defense this season. Definitely. Well, so you said um, Levine. They're looking. Not only are the Bulls um, willing to trade him, but Levine is willing to leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, what teams do you think could could benefit greatly or the most from him? Well, I think one of the teams that could benefit the most from him, just because of his ability to score, would probably be the Warriors. I think the Warriors are a good team for him. Mm. Um, just because he can play, I think he he will be able to play the three. He's been playing the three a lot in Chicago, so he'll be able to play the three in in Golden State. I'm not sure what the Warriors would trade to make that work. Assuming that they want to keep Chris Paul, assuming that they want to keep Clay and Draymond, I'm not sure what the deal is there. And I also think that the Heat, the Heat would love to get Zach Levine, but other than that, I don't know what other team. I don't see a contender going for Zach Levine because I don't think Zach Levine is a type of player where you plug and play. I think you need yeah. a certain 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 types of guys around him. The same with DeMar DeRozan and the same with Vucevic too. Yeah. Uh I like the Warriors one cuz you you need <laughs> clearly you need some offensive uh you need someone but besides Steph that can score the ball and create for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um and this is the first time I've seen the Warriors considered the best shooting team in the league for decades almost they can't shoot <laughs> it's it's crazy but uh yeah i like that pick you talk about plug and play um something that they th- this team tried to do but clearly not working out 0 and 4 so far the clippers trying to plug and play james harden into their lineup um 
What are some of your first takes? Obviously, they're 0-4, but are you are you down on this team? Are you sold? Are, do you think it could get better? Do you think it's they're going to be really good? Like, how do you feel about this team? Well, I'm going to have to take it with a grain of salt because, like you said, James Harden is not a plug-and-play player. This is a guy that thinks he's the system of every team that he goes to. And then even in the introductory conference, um, Ty Lue said that just give them 10 games and then he'll see what they have. And I think that you do need 10 games to really see out this James Harden situation. Yeah. But from what I'm seeing so far, this is not looking promising. James Harden is unable to t- take catch-and-shoot threes. I have no idea why he's passing up open corner threes and then choosing to go a sidestep or driving into the defense. And uh, it hurts me to say, but like, I think one of these big four guys are going to get traded or not really? going to be on the Clippers because... Westbrook, I feel like the Clippers have such a good thing going on with Westbrook, Kawhi, and PG before the trade for James Harden. And now they made this trade and completely disrupted the chemistry. There's a lot of bad body language. Uh, Russell Westbrook was getting benched for James Harden. He had the towel over his head, not being hyped when the Clippers were making a comeback against the Grizzlies. And then Kawhi Leonard, Kawhi Leonard of all people was having bad body language against the Grizzlies because yeah, Zubox he, wasn't cutting and then uh, the team was just not performing really well. Kawhi hasn't been playing bad. He's he's averaging 21 points a game. Um, but every time I see him, it feels like he could be doing more. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because maybe it's regular season Kawhi, but mm-hmm. maybe it's just that's just how it is. But or he just turn up later in the season is still early. Um, I'm going to have to. OK. Up until today, I had the exact same opinion as you just you just elaborated, uh, literally word for word. After watching this game, which uh, the Clippers are actually up um, four against the Denver Nuggets. Uh, note the Denver Nuggets don't have Jamal Murray, uh, so they're so they're not fully healthy, but they're still playing the champions. And watching this game, uh, the game's not over, so I didn't get to watch the entire game, but I watched most of the game until the third quarter. James Harden is. Played pretty good. He so far in 32 minutes, he has 21 points. I saw him take at least three catch and shoot threes in the first half, and he made one of them. And got me thinking if James Harden could really just fill into this sharp shooting role. He's one of the best shooters in the league, has been that way for a very long time. If he's willing to take these catch and shoot threes, and and what I'm seeing today, he is, and he's he's thriving, especially in this drop coverage that the Nuggets are in with Nikola Jokic. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's that. Maybe that's why Harden's playing good today. But if he can just – he's getting wide open three-point looks. And it's easy to think that if James Harden uh, – just blew a layup. It's easy to think that if James Harden can just get like seven, six to seven catch-and-shoot threes a game and make is shooting at 40% like he's been doing most of his entire career, um, how can this team not be better? I think – Yeah, I agree with you on that. Yeah, and so – He's playing good today. We're going to see how it's going. Paul George is playing out of his mind. And so it's good to see that Paul George is finally back. It really scared me. That first game they played against the Knicks with Harden, and he just played like shit. And I was like, oh, fuck. What I talked about in our last pod is going to happen. Everyone's just going to play like shit. But no, uh, like you said, give him more time. Give them at least 10 games. But what I'm seeing, especially if they pull out this win, it's tied right now at 102. Um, if they pull out this win today, that's a great sign, especially the way Harden played today. So, Yeah. Well, just one last thing before we move on. Um, I mean, the Clippers know what their weakness is. They, they needed 
like a primary playmaker with Kawhi and PG. Ever since they got those two players back in 2019, they they haven't had like a true quote unquote point guard on their team. That's what they try to accomplish with getting Russell Westbrook, and that's what they try to accomplish with trying to trade for Malcolm Brogdon. So this team I would knows argue, what Angus, they need. I would argue, Angus, they have too much playmaking right now. They have Harden. They have PG. If you look at the way PG has been scoring this year, it's a lot of he, like he's been a point forward. PG's been yeah. playing like a point forward this season. Yeah, and and Kawhi, you know what he can do off the ball and on the ball, and you have Russ and you have Harden. So if Harden, like you don't really need Harden to create that much anymore. If Harden can really fall into that catch and shoot slot guy that they need in this lineup, they need. They don't have one. They don't have one. So not that not that Kawhi and PG can't shoot. When you're talking about a catch and shoot three point specialist, a, a really a real deadly guy from behind the arc that the defense has to close out on, Harden can easily become that guy. This guy's getting slower. He's getting lazier. He even talked about <laughs> in like a in a, a press that he's you know he's out of shape. He didn't practice. He hasn't been practicing for weeks. He he's been away from the team. He hasn't played a game. He didn't play preseason. So this guy this is these are his first games of the season. Let him get a little bit more in shape. Like fill into his role, and I think this team can be really good. There's going to be questions about their defense. There's going to be questions about Zubox. He's not playing great, and hopefully health is not an issue. But if this team is healthy, if Harden can really just buy in, and and they already have one of the best coaches in the league in Ty Lue, mm-hmm. this this Clippers team, promising. Yes, and one last one last change I will make to the Clippers. I don't. Like, I think Russell Westbrook at this stage of his career is better coming off the bench, just being this energy guy that comes off the bench and does everything for you um, with the second unit. And then you start Terrence Mann. Because when Terrence Mann was a starter Mm. last year, he was really good. Because he's just one of those guys that just fills in the gaps and, like, does whatever you need him to. Like, he'll he'll get a hustle rebound. He's kind of like Josh Hart, or he'll make the extra pass on offense, and he'll nick that, knock down a corner three. I mean, when when you have four guys that need the ball, it's good to have one guy that doesn't need the ball. And then you can just let your three guys be stars. Yeah. Well, right now, uh, Terrence Mann has 27 minutes. Russ has 24. And Terrence Mann has uh, zero points, but five assists and six rebounds. So you're talking about a guy that doesn't need the ball. But gives you five assists and six rebounds, like that's perfect. Does the hustle plays, couple blocks, couple steals here and there. Yeah, they have they have guys like we said last podcast. They didn't have to get rid of Terrence Mann or Norman Powell. They have guys that they could play with and give minutes to PJ Tucker too. So, yeah, this this team. I'm up on this team. I was down on them a couple hours ago, but after watching this game, it's shown me that in what Harden has said to the to the media, uh, it has given me some hope that this team could be really good. Mm. Right. So Despite my, the zero and four start, so my second second person that needs help is Cade Cunningham. I think Cade Cunningham <laughs> needs so much help on the Pistons. Like I was watching. I mean, he does have help. I think Asar Thompson is great help. I think Asar Thompson has the potential to be one of the first rookies to be all defensive first team or second team because he's just yeah. that good. He has such a good impact. But good lord, look at the lineups that Cade Cunningham is forced to play with. He's mm-hmm. he's playing with Killian Hayes. Asar Thompson <laughs> is not that good of a shooter yet, and Cade's Cade's efficiency is suffering because of it. Mm-hmm. Cade needs to be able to operate in space, and the fact that he's still averaging twenty points per game while basically 
playing in a coffin and getting to the basket is mind-blowing. And here's something that kind of blew my mind when I read about it. Ever since the trade deadline last year, when the Pistons traded Sadiq Bay in February, they've only won four games. Damn. <laughs> Think about that. From February to April, that's two months of NBA action, and you have about a month and a half so far because right now it's November, middle of November. So you've had about three months of NBA action, and the Pistons have only won four games. And I'm trying to I'm trying to put this into perspective. I like to think that the Pistons and Rockets started like rebuilding around the same time, and the Rockets are in way better position than the Pistons. The Pistons have shown no sign of improvement. They're two and nine right now, and uh, I think this is another lost cause, lost cause year where they had to just tank for a draft pick. And mm. we were both very high on the Pistons, but. I think there it's another season being bad in Detroit. See, I I don't necessarily agree necessarily agree with that. So one piece that you're really missing is Bogdanovich. Um he hasn't played a single game this season, uh through how many games have they played? Through around twelve games. Eleven games. Eleven or twelve games. He hasn't played a single game. What Bogdanovich brings to this team, which they don't have at all right now, is shooting. And when you're what you're what you're what they're going to right now, and I watch some of these games every single time, uh, it's Cade Cunningham and Jalen Duran pick and roll. When you don't have a guy to throw out to at the three point line, and you ju- the defense knows you have to give it a Duran or you have to throw it to a cutter, it's a lot easier to to. To play defense against that. Cade Cunningham is one of the league lead leaders in turnovers this year. Last time I checked, he was averaging seven. And it's just, oh my God. You need shooters. Killian is, a, a, okay, he's a decent defender. But bro, this guy can't score unless it's 10 feet inside. Yeah, so Killian, I, was, I was pretty hard on him coming out the draft. But God, that, right guy, now, has, that Angus, guy has no, no NBA talent. Right now, Angus, I'd argue that their best shooter. Oh shit! Sorry, I'm watching the game. Kawhi just did some crazy shit. I'd argue right now that their best shooter is Isaiah Stewart. <laughs> he's shooting 44 percent from three, and yeah, but I mean, he's not a shooter in my eyes. I don't, I don't. I feel like it's just exactly. a hot start he's on. I don't fear exactly. Isaiah Stewart shooting a three. That's what I'm saying, and and. If he's your best shooter, you have a problem. I like this team. I think they have a lot of pieces. I love Duran. I love Asar. I love Cade. But I think they're they need shooting. So either they they bet on Bogdanovich being that guy for them, or they bring in a guy like Buddy Heald. Because I think mm-hmm. that once you if you bring in a guy like Buddy Heald, automatically you become a much better team. I think you have the tools to be a great defensive team already. You have the length. You have the guys like Asar Thompson, Jalen Duran, the hustle guys, the effort guys. Yep. You just need a guy that you can throw it to and get some threes. And Buddy Heald is that guy. I think a lot of teams right now could benefit from the addition of Buddy Heald. Um, but with the Pacers playing how well they are, I'm not even sure if they're willing to give him up. Well, the Pacers... Can't give up Buddy Heald because Ben Matherin's not having a good start to the season. Yeah, he's playing. So much. Buddy Heald is still pretty safe. Yeah. All okay. right. So, what's your next help side team? Well, 
I th- I, th- I think there's there's a couple teams. I have actually um All right, here I have one. I'm going to say even though they have been playing great, I know we talked about the Mavericks last week and how I said that it was a uh, your turn my turn type type mm-hmm. deal. I think Here's an interesting one, bro. Pascal Siakam to mm-hmm. the Dallas Mavericks for Kyrie Irving. Pascal for Kyrie. And th- here's why Damn. I think it would be good. I think one the contracts at the contracts match almost exactly. Mm-hmm. Um I think the one thing that why this wouldn't happen is because you don't want to hinder Scotty Barnes' growth if you're the, t- the 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 Toronto Raptors. He's off to a career season. He's playing amazing. And like you said, bro, this is the year he he plays on the ball a lot. And he Point tried forward. that last year. And he tried that last year Point with Scotty. Nick Nurse, but but what's going on right now? He's hitting threes. He's he's playing great on the ball with the ball. But the Dallas Mavericks would really really benefit from the with the addition of Pascal Siakam. I think that one you can throw the ball out to him, ball out to him on the three-point line if you're uh if you're Luka. I just think mm-hmm. that he fills in those roles that that would just benefit Luka a little better than a guy that just does basically exactly what Luka does but is a little smaller. So I I love that trade. That's a really good trade idea because I feel like one thing that that um and I don't think Kyrie Kyrie will hinder Scotty Barnes's development as much as you would think because I think Pascal Siakam is actually hindering Scotty Barnes's development because I think you they attack might be right. They have they attack the same spots on the court and their positions yeah. are pretty redundant. I'm not I wouldn't play Scotty Barnes as a 3. I think he's too slow to be a 3. I think he's more of a 4. And Pascal Siakam, he's more of a 4, but he's forced to play the 5 a lot and yeah. The lineups, I mean, I get that there's a lot of size and length, but when that size and length overlaps, then you're adding nothing to your team. Exactly. And the Raptors, like, we know that they just lost Fred Van Vliet, and they signed Dennis Schroeder as sort of of a temporary replacement, but having Kyrie Irving on that team will keep them competitive for, like, at least the next couple of years as a, you know, the Raptors love to stay competitive. They never want to bottom out, and having Kyrie Irving, well, I don't know. Maybe it will help them become a contender soon. Yeah, and and they you think of they just need a score. Like who who do they really have besides Pascal? And if you and you're talking about how Pascal and Scotty are kind of getting in each other's way, Kyrie would not do that. Mm-mm. And he would <laughs> he would have the ball. It benefits both sides really. If you're talking about Kyrie and Pascal, um, I don't know if it benefits Scotty, but. Uh, but it kind of depends. Like if you said like the Raptors, like their owner really wants them to be competitive. If that's what he wants to do, then this is a great move. It, or if he just wants to grow Scotty into this Giannis type player, then maybe it's not the best move. But that is a move that that I thought. I thought also the Kings, the Kings could benefit from Pascal. Yes. Um, definitely, I, if we could get so him, if we could get him, like I think that would be amazing. And another team that you might. Um, you might think is funny, or I don't even know if this is possible, but the Pacers. I think the Pacers are one good player away from being really fucking good. Mm. Uh, uh, it, it reminds me of their of the Kings last year when you know, yeah, you have some duds like they got blown out by fifty or something like that to the to, to one team a, a week or two ago. Um, but you're sitting at 
seven and four. Um, and you look, this team looks good. This team looks like they're playing, they're having fun. Obi Toppin is a great addition to that team. Um, you, you know, Andrew Nemhart, they just have so much talent. Benedict Matherin and and and, and Tyrese, of course. Tyrese is just playing amazing. Uh, Miles Turner is healthy. So if you just get one more guy, I think this is a team that you could talk about contending. Um, so that's that's a guy that I thought. I don't. I think you might have to trade Miles Turner if you want a guy like Pascal. But um, if somehow you could put a piece together, maybe it's a three three way tr- three team trade, um, and you're able to get a guy like Pascal to play alongside Tyrese and Miles Turner, and your young talent. That could be scary, bro. That's that's actually a really good idea. I mean, I think I heard some news circulating that pay, the Pacers and Mavericks, both those teams, inquired about Pascal Siakam. But Pascal, I mean, I think he's hurting his chance of being traded this year, and I think he might just want to enter free agency. He told yeah. teams that if you trade for me, I'm not going to re-sign here. So mm. I think that's why a lot of teams are trying to stay away from trading for Pascal, even though he would fit – he would – change a lot of teams like propel them to uh contention but at the same time i also feel like pascal is not one of those plug and play players because he he's plays such a unique position that you would have to need a training camp in order to fit him into your offense yeah which which you can do this guy is a 40 million dollar player um he is a very very skilled offensive player and I think with those three teams that I mentioned, the Mavericks, the Kings, and the Pacers, I think he could fit in very well with all those teams with their style of play, and they move, they run the ball. Um, yeah. So do you have a, a last one for help side? Last one. Um, I think Donovan Mitchell needs some help. Oh, shit, yes. Donovan Mitchell needs help because – I'll admit it again, all right? I've done it so many times already this season. I don't think Evan Mobley is a guy I think he is. Okay, uh. I, I think I was brainwashed by the Bill Simmonses of the world that told me that Evan Mobley was going to be great, that he was going to be the next Kevin Garnett. But I watched the game against the Kings, and this guy is literally just a lob finisher, all right? Yeah. And he plays defense. Okay, this guy's just DeAndre Jordan with some with some nice touch. That's it. Okay, I admit I was wrong. Is that what you want to hear me say? It get it gets worse and worse every. Oh, if bro, not just reacts to something that happened. What happened? So this game is one hundred eight, one eleven. Denver up five seconds left in the fourth, and and uh, PG just shot a three to tie it, and it oh, gets really? stuck in between the rim and the backboard. So. Oh, you wedgied? Oh, my gosh. With five seconds left in the fourth. This is actually crazy. Paul George is never going to live down the the pandemic pee. And the fact on Halloween, he dressed as Waldo, (laughs) and he says, where's Paul, though? Where's Paul, (laughs) though? So they're jumping in at half. Um, What you said about Evan Mobley, though, uh, very interesting. I also thought that this is crazy. All right, Denver wins the tip and game over. Clippers lose five in five in a row with James Harden, but like I said, it's it's promising. So uh, we know where I stand with that with that Clipper shit. Go back to Evan Mobley. Mobley, yeah, they want him in the future. It seems like the Cavs do. But when you look at this team, 
Uh, it just we talk about the too much of the same thing. You have two guys at the guard position that do too much of the same thing. You have two guys in the forward your front court that do too much of the same thing, and then you have just Struess, who who could be the best role player in the league because he just does what he is asked for, um, and play has been playing great on this Cavaliers team. Mm-hmm. But just man, you need something else. Um, you know what team could really benefit from Evan Mobley? The Kings, <laughs> the Lakers. I think the I Lakers mean, need another tower next to Anthony Davis. They already have to, Anthony Davis, but they need another you, guy. Okay, but you have two guys that want to play power forward. Evan Mobley gets bullied by Julius Randle and Mitchell Robinson. He got bullied by Demarcus Sabonis. That guy cannot well, play center. Yeah, and I think you push Davis not want back to, play to five. You push Davis back to five, but what happens when you when you have a guy that's also six eleven, seven foot, helping you on the help side? You don't have to do crazy, like it. You don't have to do too much when you're Anthony Davis. So well, I think it, that's the overlap because both of those players that you mentioned, Anthony Davis and Evan Mobley, they're better off the help side. They're better when they're playing kind of like free safety in that Giannis role. But who's going to be mm-hmm. the Brook Lopez of the Lakers? Who's going to be the one that guards? That takes the brunt of the force of people charging at them. Who's gonna Who's gonna guard the big burly centers like Jokic, uh, Sabonis, and Embiid, or or Shengun? Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis. Because Anthony Davis, yes, he's a great help side defender, but he's a, also a great post defender. And but he also bitches about guys. playing center. I've never seen. But, I've never seen a center that bitches so much <laughs> about playing center. But yes, but yes, he he doesn't want to play center because he doesn't want to play in the low post. But when you have a guy like Evan Mobley, he doesn't have to play in the the low post. He can play in the high to mid post, and he can shoot threes because you already have a guy that can play post and play inside. What you're seeing with the Lakers this year, Darvin Ham saying, oh, I want AD to shoot seven threes a game. Okay, AD is shooting around one or two threes a game right now. And the reason is because when AD is standing on that three-point line, there is literally nobody in the paint. So if you get a guy like an Evan Mobley who can play in the paint, also play alongside Anthony Davis at on the on the defensive end, you've seen Davis thrive when he plays with bigger people or another another big guy like JaVale McGee and uh who else they have? Didn't they have Dwight? Um they had Dwight, yeah. Yeah, so DeMarcus Cousins uh or am I tripping? <laughs> yeah, he played with DeMarcus. I mean, no, DeMarcus Cousins technically never suited up with the Lakers. He was still recovering from his torn Achilles. But just give it some thought. I guess I think I think it would be hard to get him if you're the Lakers. But yeah, I don't I, think I the just, Cavs want to let go of Mobley. But I don't I, think I, so I, either. I think I think you're talking about the wrong center, though. I think instead of Mobley, the Lakers should target Jarrett Allen. Mm. How about that? Jared Allen, he could play like JaVale McGee back in the bubble Lakers. He could play like Dwight Howard. Maybe not as strong, but he's going to be the guy that blocks shots and gets rebounds. And then, like, the Lakers, if they want to implement, like, a drop defense, they they could funnel him, funnel the offensive players into that mid-range area, force Jared Allen to contest those shots. Jared Allen, I mean, he's not the strongest, but he can he can hold his own against, I guess, Embiid. <laughs> I mean, I don't really trust it, but I I wouldn't. I think that's the type of guy that Anthony Davis wants to play with. I like that too. I think what it makes me realize is how similar Jared Allen and Evan Mobley really are. Yep. And yeah, I mean, too much overlap. 
I mean, too much overlap is going to, you know, you're not going to help your team out because you have too, too many players doing the same thing. And who's going to fill in the gaps? So, yeah, I think, yeah. 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 Well, I was at the game yesterday with Aaron uh, against the Cavs. And um, we'll get a little bit into it. I think our last seg- our last segment is going to be about the Kings. We'll get a little bit more into the Kings play later on. But the Cavs, yeah, it just doesn't look great. Um, Donovan Mitchell was getting clamped by our own Keegan Murray. And it was amazing to see. But like I said, we'll get into that later. Uh, well, let's move on to our next segment. A um, couple of our favorite teams that me and Angus have been watching. Um I do want to go first on this one. This this team, uh, I, I doubt. You know what, Angus? Guess what team I'm about to say. I want to see if you if you can guess. Okay, you said this team. I'm just judging off like the first couple words you said. So I'm a um the Rockets. <laughs> yes. How did you know? Because they're, they're one of what mine. The fuck? They're one of mine, huh? and I know that we we think alike sometimes. Sometimes. Oh, it's one of yours? Okay, that's why. Okay. Damn, okay, What do you bro. like about the Rockets? I want to see if we like the same thing. All right. There's a lot of things I like about the Rockets right now. Um, early on the season, you saw a lot of sloppy play. against those, Especially the since I did watch both of those Kings games, um, there was times where the Kings were playing like fucking shit, and the Rockets were playing just as shitty. So wasn't thinking about 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 it too much but over the last couple games they are i think on a five game win streak um, six games now six game win streak uh they're sitting at um uh six, six and three, three. Yep. yeah and and this is the the biggest team i like the biggest thing i like about this team is that is now shangun's team shangun yeah. is running the team running the offense uh i i watched the entire game against Jokic. it was like it was just like a big man battle, like a battle back in the seventies, and it was great to watch. It was like, it was it was a, a great game, and the Rockets ended up beating them. Um, I love. I'm just gonna tell you everything, Angus. I love I love Jalen Green. He's having a most efficient season so far. Besides the last game, he played like shit. But I love what you're. <laughs> Getting from Jalen Green, I love what you're getting from Jabari, and I knew you were high on him this year, but he really looks like a sol- like a solid starter. Like you could put him on any starting five, and he would he would fit in. He looks like a starter. He's hitting shots. He looks confident. Um, against the Nuggets, uh, uh, Udoka opted to play Jeff Green over um, Jabari, but that was because Jeff Green was balling out against his former team. So, yeah, just give him the nod. You know, it's not going to happen every night. But Jabari is, was playing great. Um, Ime. Ime's got these boys under his wing. He's got them playing the right way on free throws, on fouls. These the, the, these guys are huddling up, discussing their defense, what they're going to do when they run back on, on, on the defensive end. I have never seen that from a Rockets team in the last, like, half a decade. Okay, since Chris Paul, so it's like this this de- this team, Fred Van Vliet, being your second or third option, that's a great point guard that you didn't have before. You list you, you went from a team that didn't even have a point guard and and KPJ running your point your, the point mm-hmm. facilities to having a a solidified championship winning point guard who who's a twenty five points per game score who is also letting Shangun run the team and. It, I just ah, oh, it's it's really. 
I love watching this team play because Shangun is just a he just it's just amazing. It's I love his game. I love Yudoka. I love that they're still slept on. I love that they're hated because Jan, uh, Dylan Brooks is there. And Dylan Brooks is playing good, too. Shooting really good, by the way. Um, he's actually the most efficient three-point shooter in the in the league this year. Yep. Leads the league in three-point percent. Yep. Leads the league in three-point percentage. Yeah. So, um, I think one thing you got to keep an eye on this team is Jalen Green. How good can Jalen Green really be? He has the team around him. All of a sudden, he's on a team that, if he plays good, they can actually win. Versus if he plays good, it doesn't really matter because they're getting blown out anyway. Yeah, and like, I mean, I think having Kevin Porter Jr. on the team was bad for the culture, along with having Steven Silas, who was an extremely inexperienced coach. Now a they have over. a guy a guy like Ime Doko who is not a pushover, like you said, nope. and who is able to like talk some sense into his players. And then, like, they brought in the vets, Dylan Brooks and Fred Van Fleet. And, like, having an actual point guard on your team is like having another coach on the court. So, yeah. Fred Van Fleet is going to relay whatever Udoka says to the team. And, like, both Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks, even though they're light-skinned, they're still tough players. You know? <laughs> <laughs> they're they're going to make sure everyone's going to abide by what coach is saying. And then... Another player that I think is kind of underrated in terms of culture is Aaron Holiday. I mean, I was watching mm. the back-to-back Kings game, and Aaron Holiday is an absolute hound on the ball. He's a guy yeah. that, that will pressure guards, anyone that handles the ball 94 feet. And I think someone that's willing to do that is a leader for the guys coming off the bench. I mean, He's like their Davion. He's like their Davion. And then you have guys like Jay Sean Tate, even though he's so, uh, young in terms of experience in the league, he's still pretty old because I think he came to the league at like age 25. He's a guy that can knock down a three and he plays really tough, hard nosed defense. And then, um, I mean, I mean, Boban doesn't play, but I think I also think he's a good locker room guy. And, 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 and they're developing a 6'9 forward on their bench named Tari Eason, who's yeah. hitting threes. He's hitting threes now. And. And you combine that with his ability to be to grab like soul crushing rebounds. I mean, not yeah. all rebounds are the same, but like when you desperately need to stop and you finally get that stop, but then you can't get the rebound because Tari Eason grabbed the rebound. That <laughs> that's like one of the most deflating feelings ever. And then like your point on Jalen Green, Jalen Green is shooting forty percent from three. I think yeah. under Yudoka's coaching, he's taking away all those tough like step back fadeaway threes that he was taking last year and his rookie season and he's being way more selective with his shots i mean right now his uh his um shooting percentage isn't that high but his shot profile is way better he's shooting more main ranges he's looking to attack the basket way more he's getting fouled more and i feel like he just i don't know learn to trust his teammates a little bit more and trust that they're gonna make the right play and that's well, like now he he has teammates to pass to like uh, they didn't have a guy like Fred Van Vliet last season. They didn't guy. They didn't have a guy like Dylan Brooks. So yeah, Jabari's taking. I thought jump. you love Kevin Porter Jr. I thought you love Kevin Porter Jr. Bro, from a fantasy aspect, yes, he was great. He, I was, I was the first one on him. I picked him up. I had to play that role. Like, bro, I love him. I loved him as a fantasy aspect. But we, we don't support uh, woman abusers on this podcast. I'm sorry. We don't. We don't. We don't. Um, especially if it's if it's Ky- Kyrie Gonzalez, like hell nah, bro. Who? How you gonna how you gonna oh, hit that? Oh yeah, oh yeah, I, I, okay, okay. Yes, the victim. Yes, this is but, um, this is very serious. 
<laughs> but um yeah i also love their h-town jerseys i think those are the best uh in-season Ooh, tournament jerseys with the court too did you see the court Dude, with the astronaut that was beautiful sick. it's beautiful sick. and it's, it's like, i mean I, I hate how like a lot of the logos is becoming more minimalistic like less creativity I mean that astronaut brings me back to like when like the Raptors had the natural dinosaur on their logo and the Pistons had like the the horse on their logo. Yeah, there's 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 such thing as too much, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that some of these jerseys, like the the Nets jerseys, ugh, so yeah, gross. I, I don't think I think the we have too many city jerseys now. I think. I think some teams should actually adopt these city jerseys and then just use them for a while before changing them. Like, this for is sure. too much. But, yeah. I mean, since you took – I mean, I agree with you, Rockets. are one of my favorite teams to watch. I watched, like, a good four or five games of them this season, and that's, like, half of their games. Um, <laughs> but a team for me, just because they have this transcendent star that I believe is able to be a top seven at the worst in the league is the Timberwolves. I think the Timberwolves are extremely yep. fun to watch. We talked about them last week. We talked about trading Cat for Julius Randle. But um, I think as is, this team is extremely fun to watch. And then with probably Gobert, I don't know if Gobert is going to get suspended. I feel like Adam Silver is going to suspend Gobert. We're going to see what it's like when they play with one center. We're going to see Anthony, Anthony Edwards playing in the most space he's ever played with since the Rudy Gobert trade. And um, I'm excited to see what that looks like. But a couple games that stood out for me recently for the Timberwolves was against the Celtics and the Warriors. Yes. So against the Celtics, uh, it was just Jason Tatum and Anthony Edwards going back and forth, and it was just like you're seeing the future league in your own in in, in a single game. And then yep. uh, Anthony Edwards scored a bucket over Tatum, and then he clamped Tatum on the next possession to force OT, and then he just absolutely went off in overtime. Now, mind you, this Seven, was the Celtics. This this Celtics seven straight team, points. Yeah, seven straight points against a team that was undefeated. Right? Wasn't the Celtics undefeated before that game? I'm not quite sure, but I, yes, maybe yes, they, the, they they the Timberwolves took the took the Nuggets, uh, uh, lost virginity, and they also took the Celtics lost virginity. Yes, yes, they took their lost virginity. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Good lord! Good lord! <laughs> Okay, and then against the Warriors, uh, I just like how Anthony Edwards didn't back down from Draymond. Draymond does get into people's heads, and sometimes he just puts his arms around people's heads, as we saw against Rudy Gobert. <laughs> but Anthony Edwards didn't back down and just said, just basically told Draymond to get the fuck off of him. Yeah, um, yeah. Don't don't fucking shit talk Anthony Edwards. Uh, I'm seeing this season, man. Would you agree with me that you put Anthony Edwards head to head with any player in this league, and if there if it's one on one like, like we saw against the Celtics, where it's Jason Tatum versus Anthony Edwards, like you love to see similar positions going head to head at it back and forth. If you you put a guy like Anthony Edwards against anyone in the league, and personally I think that he he can he can he can walk with any guy, any yeah. guy in the league right now. I have to completely agree. Uh, I mean, like he, the Timberwolves, I think, gave the Nuggets probably their toughest matchup of the entire playoff series last year just because of mm-hmm. Anthony Edwards, just of how much force he was putting against the Nuggets, how much pressure he was putting against Jokic in that drop coverage. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I think I think Anthony Edwards just has that dog in him. I know it's really cliche, he but has that dog. Just like when you when you see it, when you see that talent just oozing off of him, like it's hard to admit that he doesn't have that dog and the athleticism and just, off bro, off the charts. I have to imagine you, you this see is what that. watching Michael Jordan. This is what Michael Jordan was like, probably. <laughs> nah, nah, bro. I it. This is Kobe. This is Kobe esque. I've been saying this for a very long time. Raw talent, crazy athleticism, same build, and you just—they just have that fucking dog in them. They don't think they can lose, mm-hmm. and it's like this guy is like—he thinks he's better than everyone, and he just proves it. He manifests it onto the court. He's like, "I'm better than you," and that's why I'm like, bro. If you're Draymond Green, you can't shit talk Anthony Edwards because he's gonna drop eight points. What are you gonna do? Like, if you're Jason Tatum, okay, because you can match it. But, bro, if you're Draymond Green, you're doing your whole team a disservice by getting this guy mad and riled up because he's a fucking dog Mm -hmm. and he'll bite back. It's just I love watching him play. I totally agree. One of my favorite teams to watch. I think one thing I also love about him besides his confidence is that he's he's always in great spirits. Like, he understands that at the end of the day it's just a competition. And that, like, he's just this guy that just loves playing the game of basketball and he thinks it's extremely fun. And I think, I don't know, when you're such a young player and you're getting all that money, you can get kind of jaded. And it's nice to see that he hasn't gotten jaded. And I am yeah, I mean, I don't, like- pers- I don't personally know him, but just from the interviews I've seen him do, um, he just seems like a really fun guy that just enjoys the game. He's a fun guy. <laughs> fun guy. <laughs> yeah, I... I- I'm definitely a fan of Ant. Um, I got, I got, I think I got one or two more um, from one of my favorite teams. I did mention the Pacers, mm-hmm. uh, so I won't, I won't, yeah, I won't mention them again because, um, yeah, they're just playing. I just think they play with a lot of joy, and yeah. uh, they just look like Bruce Brown is a great addition. We talked about Obi Toppin being a great addition, um, and then they still got Miles Turner and Tyree. So this team. They started off hot last year too, uh, but they have a, a new a a uh, a couple better players on their on their team, and if they make some moves in the in the trade during the trade uh, season, then or this season at all, then just a team to watch. Uh, another team that I've really been enjoying watching, um, and I mentioned them last year last podcast, but the Oklahoma City Thunder. It's just I just can't stop watching this team. I really love this team. I liked watching them last year when they weren't even really considered good. You just have Shea Gildress going crazy. There's nothing you you can't dislike about this guy's game. It's just, it's so pretty. It's so pretty. Like, you just, I I can't hate on this guy's game. He can shoot. He can finish. He can hit the midi. He'll cross you over. He'll put you on skates. He can pass. He can do it all. Um, And he's clutch. He's fucking clutch. And then you got this seven-foot freak on the wing at Chet Holmgren, who is so freaking good, man. Like, I think, personally, right now, I'm taking Chet if I want to win because this guy understands the game. He understands what he has to do. He understands his role. He's playing great. Then you got Jalen Williams. We all know about Jalen Williams. We suck his dick on this podcast all the time. Pause. Um, and then Longer pause. And, Longer pause. Well, Please. <laughs> And then, and then fucking, you have a 6'11 point guard in Josh Giddy. And then the best part is you got Mark Dagno as your coach who knows basketball and is just going to push these guys to be better than they are, already are. So this team is just really, just the way they switch um, and, and play off each other, 
you have guards setting screens for big men. It's just like, what? But it works. And yeah. uh, I watched this whole like breakdown video on YouTube about um, uh, just how they, they do those screens and how they fuck up defenses matchups and get wide open threes or wide open layups it's just it's crazy how they do it i think they just have like three guys that constantly have pressure add rim pressure to any team like you have jay gilgis you have to worry about him getting to the rim and then josh giddy puts a ton of pressure on the rim because that's the only place where he can score he can't really shoot yet and then jalen williams puts a ton of pressure and they all just play extremely hard yes i mean they they absolutely blew out the spurs today but do you know what's a team that they couldn't beat, though? Who? Oh. They couldn't beat the Kings. They couldn't beat the Kings. No, sir. They couldn't beat the Kings. Hell no. Nah. And do you know who absolutely got dunked on? <laughs> Chet, Chet Holmgren. Holmgren got dunked on. Chet Holmgren got dunked on by just Sabonis, and then he, he took another whopping from Keegan. Yep. But that the fact that he gets dunked on a lot already shows you that he's, he's fearless. Like, he doesn't yep. care about getting dunked on because he knows that you're not going to do it again. And he and both of those dunks, he he didn't foul. He went straight up. Yeah, he didn't foul. And it was just like that's a great defensive play. They just they just dunked it. It was like you, you, there's nothing more you can ask of him besides block the ball. Uh, but when a guy's going that speed, it's really hard to do that. So I think you have a really good piece in Chet Holmgren. Um, but yeah, let's talk about the fucking Kings. Unless you have another uh, one of your favorite teams that you've been eyeing. No, I, I think I think we just had an, a lot of overlap. I mean, I said, I mean, my Pacers. We already covered that. So yeah, so, so let's move let's move on to the Kings, who I think have finally found their rhythm. I mean, they found their rhythm without De'Aaron Fox, but then they got De'Aaron Fox back, and they looked like a completely different team. They looked like a team that was just missing, that was missing like something. They were missing something, and then they. Beat, they beat the Blazers after losing back-to-back games against the Rockets. They beat the Blazers, but Barely. it was like one of those wins that I didn't feel good about. It was like, okay, we beat, we won, but this is still like a moral defeat, I feel, because you know you have moral victories, but this was like a moral defeat because yeah. like the Blazers shouldn't be in the same conversation with us. And then the next game they played against the Thunder, and I felt really good about that game. Mike Brown switched up the lineup, started Keon Ellis, which I really liked. Yeah. Because even though even Davion ended up having a better game, I thought Keon added something that like the starting lineup hasn't seen. They added someone that who can make that driving kick, that that corner pass, because he's really good at making that skip pass. And then he's also way longer, uh, way more athletic than Davion. And then uh, Sabonis finally got his groove back. He's he's had near triple doubles in the past three games. And then Keegan Murray. Keegan Murray's been struggling to begin the season. But I think that there was a lot of pressure on him to shoot the ball. And I think that kind of got to him because he, he felt the need to shoot it every single time instead of just reading what the defense is doing. But now what I'm seeing from him is that he he catches a ball and then if he sees a defense closing out really hard against him, he'll take a step in, he'll pull up for a midi, or he'll, he'll go to that floater that he probably worked with Fox uh, over the summer. And he, he starts his game inside out now because you know he's going to have that shot. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing is he played a team high 38 minutes, uh, matching the other team's team high and Donovan Mitchell in 38 minutes. So he played every minute that Donovan Mitchell played. And, man, mm-hmm. did he do a great job on one of the best guards in the league. Donovan Mitchell just was not having it last game. Um, just played 
like a shell of himself. And although he had 22 points, uh, it was a team high. Karis LeVert was playing better than him. Uh, didn't score as much, but we played know, Donovan better. Donovan Mitchell, here, here's some stats. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, when being guarded by uh, Keegan Murray last night, shot two for ten. Sheesh. So that length, Keegan Murray is finally starting to know how to use his length. And um, last year, one of the biggest flaws about him was his inability to maneuver around screens, his ability to, I don't know, just continue on a drive. But now, no, he's able to use his body now. He he uses his length. He's blocking a lot of shots now, and he's getting into passing lanes. Yeah. Some notables uh, from this game. Um we talked about Keegan Murray, 25 points, 8 rebounds, 1 assist. Great game from him. The job he did on Donovan Mitchell. Couldn't ask for more. Uh, Kevin Herter played. Um, if he's, he's finally back. got his shot. He's back. 20 points. Um, was was shooting well. Tough shots, too. And another thing that you're seeing is, is like you talked about, Keegan has starting from inside out. You're seeing the same from Kevin Herter. I see Kevin Herter. He's one of our most active cutters. Um, even in the half court, especially like in the half court, he'll actively run out in and then back out and then back in again for a cut. And he's getting wide open layups. I think he learned that trying to get out of his streak. I saw him do it against the Rockets when he finally had that, that decent game, the second game, uh, getting Mm -hmm. open layups, feeding from Sabonis when he drives to the lane. Uh, my other notable, Sabonis, with a near triple-double, 23-10-9 and nine rebounds, uh, was feasting on those two twin towers, Evan, Evan Mobley and Jared Adams. He, he made them look like little boys. I don't know what it was, like if he took some pre-workout before the game, but Sabonis was playing yeah. on another level. Um, and then last notable. No. Yeah. Sorry. Last notable. Last notable. Go ahead. Sasha. 11 points in 17 minutes, and he started the game on fire, had eight points in the first quarter. And um, you just got to think, like, maybe if he can get, if he can be a 15 points per game player while he's playing 20 minutes a game, that could be something right there. I don't those- think he'll ever get to 15 just because I think his role will change from night to night. But I think the constant threat of him being a shooter applies a lot of pressure to teams. I, I like that one play where he's after after like a rebound, uh, the Kings got the ball and he sprinted all the way to the corner, and then De'Aaron Fox found him for the corner three. Yep. I really like that play, and I think that is where he's gonna get his money. I mean, I it seems like he's finally finding his role within this offense. He knows where to go, especially when like if you, okay, if you have Kevin Herter, and you have Sasha screening for each other off the ball, and then. Sasha fakes the screen and then comes back out for DeMontis Sabonis handoff. He's going to be wide open for the three. Yeah. Because that's the same exact play that the Warriors run all the time with Steph and Clay. But now you do it with Sasha and Kev. That, that, and then I, Sasha is just as good of a shooter as anyone else on the team. Just as good as Keegan, just as good as Kevin. And his shot is so quick. My last notable. Sorry, I, t- I said I was last, but last notable. Harrison Barnes, 22 minutes, four points. Oh, yeah, oh, oh one more one more notable. Donovan Mitchell didn't play this game. And nobody notices. And nobody Davion. cares. That says something. Davion Mitchell didn't play. Sorry, I'm tripping. Davion. 
Davion Mitchell <laughs> did Davion Mitchell did not play this game. And I remember last season when we played the Cavs, it was like, oh, Donovan Mitchell and his little bro, you gotta play him against each other. This game, none of that bullshit. Davion Mitchell didn't even enter the game. I mean, Keon has earned his minutes. Davion, Davion, the Mike Brown era has lost minutes every single year. I mean, his first season with Gentry and Luke Walton as a coach, he averaged about 20, 23 minutes a game. But, but Angus, that but Angus, in garbage time, here's who got in. Colby Jones, Jordan Ford, Jordan Ford. Kessler Edwards. Well, from, from that perspective, I mean, I think that's insult to injury if you're if you're playing a guy that was your your um, second unit guard in garbage time, then that's like insult to injury. I don't think Mike Brown would do that. I feel like that's such a slap in the face. But he didn't play at all. Not a single minute. Would you rather not play at all or would you rather just play garbage time? Dude, if I'm Davion Mitchell, I don't give a fuck about my reputation, bro. I need minutes. Like, I, no, not I, reputation, but pride. Like, fuck the pride aspect. Get me on the floor. Even if it's for one minute. I mean, I I think Mike Brown knows what he's doing. He's going to light a fire in Davion, and hopefully he's going to fight to earn his minutes back. I hope so, too. I was just thought, and I just thought it was notable, and I also thought it was notable that we didn't notice or care or really, really feel the lack of not having him on the floor. So I thought that was that was definitely interesting what i did like was monk getting more minutes because of it and and sasha guys like sasha and, and uh keon yeah it's like speaking of monk like i i see he's a lot more involved in the offense this year compared to last year i think keon is a better player to play next to monk because when we had davion and monk t- playing together i felt like we were way too small yeah but then with keon he's like He's like six five, six six, and he is has he like actually? what a six eight wingspan. Yeah, he's six five. Oh, Keon is six five, and he 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 has serious length, and I know he's able to knock down a wide open three. Yeah, but Malik Monk has been doing wonders with whoever he's in with in the second unit, whether it's Alex Len or Javale McGee, or when he's running with Sabonis. That that pick and roll that he runs is lethal because I feel like he makes the right decision almost every single time. And this decision, I thought he was a good decision maker last year, and especially in the playoffs. But he's he's improved that part of his game already. And then he even took a charge last night. I know Mike Brown was hyped when he saw that. Yeah. Yeah, I I like Keon. I think he's like uh he's basically Davion, but a better shooter, and maybe not as not as athletic, but uh taller, like huh? Longer. Longer. Definitely Keon is longer. taller and longer. And he has a better shot. But yeah. Um going back to the Harrison Barnes thing, Angus, uh what like what what are we gonna do with this man? Like dude, like we don't really have a guy that we can replace. But it's mm-hmm. just like Yeah, we don't I mean I mean this is a starting lineup that is still pretty good. Like I think this starting lineup that the Kings run with Barnes, Fox, Herder uh, Keegan Murray and Sabonis, they're still one of the top 10 starting lineups in the league. But, I mean, Barnes Barnes is essentially the fifth starter right now, the fifth option. But he has not been he has not been encouraging to begin the season. I mean, he had that 30-point first game, which he had. But he's gonna probably going to do that once every 10 games like he does. 
once every 10 games just so people like me, idiots like me, hop back onto the Harrison Barnes train. <laughs> Dude, out of the five starters, excluding Air- excluding Harrison Barnes, so Keegan, Sabonis, Fox, and Herter, last mm-hmm. game together, they scored 96 points combined. Okay? Yep. 96 points. Four players, 96 points, and Harrison Barnes scored four. So, how, how I'm looking at it is that our five stars scored 100 points. That's why, that's basically what you're saying. No, no, no. It, I would say it like that if they all score 20, but it's Keegan, 25. Or 10, or Sabonis, 23. Fox, 28. Herder, 20. And Harrison Barnes, there's a clear outlier here. And it's and it's becoming a little consistent. We all knew Kevin Herter was in a slump. I can't say Harrison Barnes is in a slump. Like I can't say that. I think this is just how he is. And if this is if this is just how he plays, like what is he really bringing us on the defensive side? What is he really bringing us on the offensive side if this man can't shoot? I think the only thing this man is good for is if we need a free throw. Yeah. I mean, I completely agree with you. I think that as a fifth starter. He doesn't contribute anything um, because I think Keegan Murray has completely taken over his role as a spot-up guy. And not to mention Keegan Murray can do a lot more off the dribble. So, yeah, I think – and Barnes' defense this year has not been good. He let Jeremy Grant absolutely torch him uh, in that game against Portland. And I think Barnes might be better coming off the bench at this point. Or, I mean, coming off the bench or if we're able to, like – trade for Alex Caruso, I think that would be great. Because I think Alex Caruso and Harrison Barnes have the same offensive production at this point of their careers, but Alex Caruso will give you that lockdown perimeter defense. More effort. More effort, yeah. And I think that Alex Caruso can also play up. I think he's one of those few guards that can guard wings. Yeah. I would love that. Alex Caruso for Harrison Barnes? Yeah, no way the the Bulls are doing that. (laughs) Trading for an older guy? No, I don't think... I don't think that the, I mean, Alex Caruso makes way less money than Harrison Barnes, but I do like the idea of Harrison Barnes coming off the bench because the Kings right now do not have any size coming off the bench. Our biggest guy on the wings coming off the bench is Chris Duarte. So maybe a Chris Duarte for Alex Caruso. Hmm. Well, if the Bulls trade Levine and start to look, they're going to blow it up. Like that could definitely be a possibility, but I think, um, there's going to be a lot, like you said, a lot of people on the market for a guy like Alex. Yeah, and I, 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 and like I said earlier, I think that Caruso might be the most valuable player on the Bulls right now in terms of trade value. So I think he's worth at least a first round pick. Yeah, and I, I think if so, say we just take Barnes out the starting lineup right now, and we were to replace him with someone. Um, I think, dude, what's interesting? <laughs> I think it's interesting to. Think about the possibility of plugging Sasha in for Barnes because I'm not gonna lie, like Sasha is mm. not Sasha is not a great defender, like by any means. Mm-hmm. But what you could do with this lineup, and and you already have a guy like Fox and Sabonis that are going to be in the paint most of the game, and then you also have a guy like Herder that can cut. You have a guy like Murray that can hit the midi. You need a guy that can just stand outside on the at the from the three point line and just be able to hit that thing. And, yes, defense will be an issue. But what is Barnes really bringing to us on the defensive side? Like, he's, he's yeah. 
Barnes is an average defender. He's not a great defender. He's not a bad defender. But you 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 sacrificed a little bit of defense for maybe possibly definitely a lot more than four points. So I I it's just for interesting. Sure, more than four points. It's interesting. Also, yeah, I like that idea, and I think that's what Mike Brown's gonna work his way to. I think Sasha. He needed some time to find his offensive footing on this team. And with a guy that's not athletically gifted, he's going to need some more time to find his defensive footing. Like, I, I can't name a single good thing that he does well on defense. I, I don't even think he's really that good at rebounding either. Yeah. I mean, if he's he, if he can find some way to get in the passing lanes, maybe get deflections, maybe take charges – then yes, he would be a starter. But yeah, you're I mean, right. Just, he has to find. Just, he has to have some sort of value on the defensive side. Because his offensive ability is like there's no denying it. His ability to cut, the ability to read what the offense is doing. He's such a smart player, and he knows how to space a floor. And I, I'm just thinking about it right now. If we have Sasha instead of Barnes spacing the floor that that's going to be wide open for yeah. everyone to attack yeah. that's going to be open for Sabonis and Fox handoffs that's going to be open for for Fox to just iso the pick and roll that's going to be open even for like the Kevin Herter Keegan Murray Sabonis dribble handoff action and if he's your fifth guy bro like if he's your last guy I, I don't think it's that bad that's, that's scary yeah and um <laughs> I, I pondered I ponder about this. If Barnes were to go to the bench, I feel like he will, he he could be good in like a kind of Andre Iguodala type of role. Yeah, yeah, I could see that for sure. And bro, if the Sasha thing doesn't work out, then just fucking flip it back. But I mean, I just I, I, the five played really good last night, and I guess Harrison Barnes is part of that five. But man, four points is just I'm not gonna lie. I don't think I don't remember seeing or I can't visualize. Him scoring yesterday, even though I watched the entire game, I, I just, I just, can't, I can't remember him scoring. <laughs> I don't even know if he scored. I don't remember what he scored. Seriously, it was probably like two free throws. You know, what? I'm gonna find this out. <laughs> find out when he scored. Oh no, he had he had two field goals. That's crazy. I didn't. Over even... two from three though. Sasha could not go over two. Sasha went three of five. <laughs> yeah. Um, well. But- Barnes coming off the bench will solve the size problem because we have no size off the bench. Duarte is not size. Yeah. I like that idea. Well, the Kings play on national television on ESPN on uh, tomorrow, actually. Uh, Twice. Yeah. Twice this week. We get we get the big games. Finally. All right. And, Finally. And then, okay, to top it off, Friday's game against the Spurs, against Wemby, is gonna be have Mike Breen on the call, yes, Mister Bang Man himself. That bang, that 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 um Keegan Murray bang is gonna hit different. I think I think the Wednesday game. I think we get a uh, Doc Doc Rivers. He he's on for both games. Mm. He's on for both games. I really like Doc Rivers as a commentator. I do too. Yeah, he's not so as raspy. he's not as bitchy as I thought he would sound. Nah, he he's been good. I mean, I've been hearing him on some podcasts. Um, he's really good. He's he's so insightful too, because he yeah. knows how the modern NBA works, and he's a fresh coach. Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson haven't coached in ages, so I feel like they're a little bit more out of touch. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think y'all that's gonna wrap it up for us today. 
uh, we appreciate y'all. Sorry, it's a little late. Usually, usually we would drop at least a Monday latest, but uh, it was actually my boy Angus's Jordan year celebration yesterday. So, yes, sir, uh, happy belated birthday Draymond, to the boy. Draymond year. Yes, sir. Oh, I appreciate it. <laughs> I dream on you. So we had to postpone it for a day, which is okay. You guys will fucking survive. We appreciate y'all. If y'all made it this far, um, we love you guys. And uh, we'll see y'all next week. Peace. Peace.